Hello and welcome to Owning It, the podcast that celebrates the inspiring choices made by women who refused to simply follow the crowd and chose the road less traveled. I'm your host, Sandhya Tukaram, and in each episode, we'll have real conversations with these incredible women who choose to carve their own path because following just isn't an option. They may not be making headlines, but every one of them is a role model. So join me and let's explore the power of choice and the inspiration it brings right here on Owning It. Preeti Raja has always struck me as being very zen. It's perhaps because she owned every one of her choices, whether it was her early banking career, marriage and move to a new city, being a mother and now an entrepreneur on her own terms. Join me in conversation with Preeti on Owning It. Hi, Preeti. Thank you for joining me on this conversation. I was just thinking today as I was, you know, anticipating our conversation that it's actually 10 years since we met. Oh, really? Yeah, it's 10 years since we met um, at Woodside Inn in Bombay. And uh, my memory of you 10 years ago was someone who was quietly confident, uh, who had her point of view, but was also happy to you know, not necessarily strike it on her own at that point. But I want to go back uh, because I always like to go back to when when we started creating an identity for ourselves. And I usually think it's at 10 and not at 18 and all of that. Uh, so take me back, Preeti, to Preeti at 10. What were your aspirations like and who were you at 10? Hi, Sandhya. Thank you for reminding me. It's been 10 years since I have known you. It feels, uh, it, it doesn't feel that long, actually. I think I was a very carefree kind of a person living in the moment. I was like very uh, outdoorsy, loved sports, was a very simple person, did not have too many ambitions. Like I had friends telling me, oh, I want to be a famous actor. I want to be a, I don't think people said I want to be a millionaire in those days. They said, I want to be very rich. rich. And I was like, I don't understand all this. I was like, oh, I just want to be happy. I think that's all that I had in my head at that time. And probably comfortable enough to not to have to worry about small things in life and have niggling worries but to be comfortable well well off enough to be happy reasonably happy I think that was the goal as a child and I don't think it has changed much in all these years I was just going to say I don't think it's changed much and I love that you even at an early age said I want to be happy Um, but I guess we didn't articulate it like that in those days but come to think of it if you asked me that question today and how I thought that day that's what I would have uh, if I had consciously somebody had asked me I think that's what I would have said no, I, I, and I think you knew that because I would think I see that of you even today. Uh, but I still want to stay with young Preeti. Uh, I do know you went to B school, right? You did your... Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I think uh, like when you were asking me, I was good at sports. I liked the outdoors. I wanted to do things like that. But you know how it was. Like you were good in studies and you tend, tend to study more in regular traditional fields and do your commerce degree and uh, you know study uh, did my master's in business and got to work in a bank in a financial institution was in corporate finance so that became the normal trajectory of life i think 
things would be different today because there are so many more options and uh, you know you see people do, creating careers out of things that were not we were not even aware of in those days i think i would have loved to be doing ad hoc things like you know being outdoors or uh, i don't know i was a perfectionist i like to work with my hands a lot you know maybe an artist maybe a carpenter something like you know yeah. potter things like that were what i might have liked to have done in those days but it, i wasn't really aware about my skills or my interests so vividly oh, it was more like a passion rather than option yeah it was didn't seem like a yeah and we, we always wanted to yeah work in stable jobs earning money uh, very uh, steadily that seemed to be the driving force yeah tell me about when you did get the stable job did you enjoy <laughs> it actually as yes, i really enjoyed it i think um it is important to be able to earn your own money it gives you a sense of freedom it does give you a sense of self it gives you a sense of belief uh being able to you know value add at the job being considered good at your job by a client by a boss by colleagues gives you a sense of accomplishment and i think all of that is necessary i because the, these are uh, you might have heard at school oh she's good at this or oh, she's good at study she's good at this but you know something like working in the real world where somebody has to pay money for the work that you do uh is not just empty words it's real uh, it's a real affirmation of who you are and what you bring to this world i think it's important for everybody to do it and if you can do it for a long time it gives you that much more affirmation and confidence in yourself i i get, i worked at it for 9 years i had a corporate job for 9 8 years sorry 8 years so it wasn't very long but it was enough to understand that yeah i i stand for something i can do something i bring value to this world and uh it was good to have that money and uh, yeah. freedom and when you're young it's really good yeah no oh, that's lovely so what made you quit this job yeah so working is fun um when you're single and even when you're married married it's even more fun because you have somebody to manage you know home and uh, all the challenges of uh, the personal life become easier and you still have work and you have somebody to support you it's all wonderful but i think the minute you bring a child into the equation everything changes then it becomes a big balancing act it's as much for the man as much for the woman but i think traditionally women uh, tend to feel more responsible like even if you feel like oh my mom did this for me i should be able to do this for my child there's a little more sense of responsibility on the woman's side and it becomes a really big balancing act and i think it's not easy now but it was much harder then to be uh, to be a work from home mother or be a part a work from home uh, employee or be a part time employee it was very much more difficult you were either all in or you checked out you you had to do late nights you had to travel there was no i mean you could always make excuses but then it, they weren't viewed well so you wouldn't even dare make them or think about it you wanted to be treated like an equal right so yeah. you wouldn't uh, so it was a quite, quite a tough balancing act i managed beautifully in the first few years because i think we were in chennai and raja my husband he had a uh, job at he was working at it for the last maybe 15 years or 10 years by then but he was as he he was senior enough to be able to be flexible in his work 
and he could as a result like i he's uh, my parents you would take turns and manage my daughter until 5 pm when my husband would come home and look after her and then by 8 or 8:30 i would come and then at 8 o'clock raja would get back to office and finish the rest of his work and come so i had a lot of support in raising my child so it was it it was difficult but it was easy in the sense i never felt that my daughter was neglected because she was around people very much loving and very much putting her before all their needs so i felt i was not short changing my child at all so going to work was easy though i did miss her and all that i knew she would well taken care of so that was not a guilt as much but the minute we moved cities and i did have this whole infrastructure <laughs> completely was not available it became a big challenge raja had a very challenging job and uh, it didn't make sense at that time that i asked him to rein back because it was really exciting his career had really taken off it's difficult to leave a child you know because the help or the child support that we have here is a, is like hiring a nanny and she's basically a, an uneducated person how well meaning i mean a few hours here and there that's fine but on a daily basis you know with the long hours that i had and the long hours raja had i mean to have a child being looked after by an uneducated uh, nanny did not seem on a on a full time basis for a many years ahead did not seem like a we make her was my daughter was 3 at that age and it didn't look like a very sensible solution to me absolutely I mean, so and i thought like so it, it and uh, so it was easy it was not such a difficult decision yes. to make and it always felt like a very temporary decision you know your child is so small that she needs you she can't voice her needs and you need to be there and then the minute school becomes intense when you can always get back to work right that seemed like how it was but it never it's never that's not how it played out <laughs> it took longer than the <laughs> yeah, takes longer also i think you know like child rearing is so rewarding i mean it's a very tough job it's like a constant job you're always on the job it's like uh, you never get off but it's a full time job and it's very intense like you have to be on you have to be like interested but it's so rewarding that once you start doing it it pales in comparison to any corporate job or a paying job that you could no absolutely uh, uh, like at 50 your mom still bringing me up so <laughs> <laughs> no i can understand uh, and you you said it so beautifully right uh, because i think a lot of times when we talk about homemakers we don't while there's a large part of uh, the reality that it's not a choice but equally there are many women who make that choice and and like you said it's very rewarding for that phase that you've consciously decided that for this child you brought into the world you want to spend time nurturing that child and what you get out of that is very rewarding uh, and but the for me the underlying thing was it was a choice you made at that time that True. this is where you wanted to i i had the privilege of making that choice like imagine if i had an emi to pay or something like that it was not a choice that i would have made i would have worked around i would have found something i would have probably transported parents here i was lucky to have that choice at that time and i could make that choice i think choices also are defined by circumstances but i want to now move from preeti uh, who at a very young age in hindsight 
her aspiration was to be happy. Uh, and then young Preeti, the mother who uh, gave up a corporate career because she chose to give her time to nurture her child. And then let's get to where you are now. Uh, I love, you know me, I've been such a fan from the moment you told me about the idea of revival project. Uh, how did that come about? And tell me, let's talk a little bit about that journey. While they say, uh, you know, like children are a full-time job, like even when they grow up, like she's 21 and she's outside and still like she needs uh, emotional support, she's lonely and things like that. And, and uh, when they're really small, you can outsource a lot of work to family to maids to this thing but that emotional work can never be outsourced and even when they grow older yeah. it's there but then the need that physical constant need that kept you busy just disappears after a few years and then you are left with like oh I don't have a job and my child has grown up and I what do I do like I, and you're you know you still want to be useful you want to do something meaningful I had aunt I had a, my aunt is a gynec and her another aunt is an English prof and they're all like Preeti was so smart like you know when they were um, when they were taking tuitions like the English prof when she was taking tuition she kept my photograph mine and my sister's photograph on her desk and said these girls are really good in study you should learn from them and all wow. you know in those days they used to do things like this to encourage <laughs> children anyway so they were like you know you should do something and I, my mom has always worked she was a maths and science teacher and she was um also, um, you know, working in a lot of charitable, working on a lot of charitable initiatives. So obviously, you want to be useful, you want to do something with your time, and you at the same time want to be available for your children, child when she needs you. So the whole thing was balancing that. And uh, starting something on my own seemed to meet all of those, like I could run it and the time that I wanted, or the pace I wanted, the size I wanted. And, but the thing, the challenge was finding what do you do? What is it that works? And luckily for me, I mean, I thought about a lot of things, but I always loved clothes and I loved all the business of making clothes, but I did try out many things like being a, opening a bar, becoming a hairdresser, but the learning curve for many of those seemed to be really, really long. And I didn't think it was feasible. And of course, I had a husband who's in venture, so he could tell me what is scalable and what's not scalable. And he said, this doesn't work, doesn't make any sense. So it was easy to make out what where your passions lie and what of which of that passion could be converted into a workable business. So then that's how uh, uh, PRP followed. Also because I think I've been wearing Western clothes. I mean, clothes that are, you know, like Western oriented rather than Indian clothes for very long from all my life with short breaks in trying to meld in college and stuff like that. But typically, and I always found it a challenge to source these clothes and I think when I was starting TRP I think the, the revival project uh, the only uh, western clothes that were available were from Zara so you either wore synthetics elegant looking well well styled synthetic garments or you wore comfortable and not so good looking clothes from other places like Fab India or any other uh, mass produced brands so the options for Western clothing was limited and all of us were yearning to wear dress like that. More and more of us were yearning to dress like that. So options were limited. Some of the bigger designers were making high-end clothes using Indian fabrics 
in a western uh, you know no. uh, western styles and cuts and they were really attractive but they were very high and there was a market but there was nobody supplying for that market and i always was fascinated especially i was always fascinated because i lived in different parts of the country so i'd seen uh, you know fabrics in across the, across the country like i'd seen all kinds of fabrics a variety of fabrics that's available you know in linen and jamdani and org organza and you know the uh, all of that made handmade in india so you have to make that into something wearable and you take it to an indian tailor and make a beautiful salwar kameez or a ghagra for you but you can't get anything done properly in the way you want to wear it on a daily basis right so i knew that there were ways and means to use hand looms for different kinds of you know western garments so you could make trousers and tops and skirts and even thin fabrics if you could just put a lining it could become a dress so there were options there were ways to do it and i i i got excited the minute i saw that so then it became a real business proposition and and that's how it all started you know, I, i hear the passion and i hear the learning but what did it mean to set up the business side of things one was the product side of things which you were learning and you you were driven by your idea but what did it mean for you to set up a business i think i'm just so glad that that phase is behind me because it was a uh, very very challenging there were days when i used to be in tears because i just couldn't move forward you know like there were so many challenges i mean first from the weaving weaving side because the weavers work for years like they have worked for centuries for generations weaving it in a particular style and there's a, a traditionally been done that way you tell them to change this color with this it it's very difficult for them to make that change you can convince them to do it do it any other way i don't blame them if this is how they've been doing for centuries and also it's a lot they don't have the financial security which will allow them to experiment with anything new i was new they didn't want to listen to me so i'm i'm just glad that i persevered stuck through it and finally there were some changes so that was one then the production side even after the fabric came back then the production side was a challenge because you tell a tailor to make something you i did lots of sampling with different different tailors and they all are fabulous at their work but they'll put one dart here because they used to making blouses they'll make a top and put a dart there and it was so many challenges of that and to have uh, uh, to have things that like you know to have be professional to adhere to a deadline to make every garment the same size half an inch here and there is not acceptable it has to be the same size a lot of these things are a big challenge and you can't really fight uh, the system in day one it takes time and takes effort and professionalism comes slowly all of that happened it just was journey after journey of trying out one who's willing to change who's willing to learn and uh, do with you finally now i have a system where all of this works so i'm like oh my god like these are not even things that i need to worry about anymore but in the beginning these were like really big challenges and of course the business side the website the sales and how do you know how many pieces to produce i i happily produced enough equal quantity quantities of all and then i realized people don't buy bottoms you know they don't buy skirts and pants they usually buy more of tops because you can mix tops with whatever jeans you have and whatever else you have in the wardrobe and tops are more visible and that's what people 
spend money on sizes what sizes do you make and you know like some sizes get sold out some just don't sell at all and so many i mean i think there were challenges on photography how do you handle a photographer how much should we charge you how much can you spend on that how what about what is a model contract so many things i mean studio lighting guy i have no clue everything was blundered through blundered through everything was learning 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 and then the accounting part of it was the worst i mean not worst that's the thing i knew but that that's the thing i hated doing the most <laughs> what because there was little creativity there what about pricing was pricing it was something um, you learned luckily pricing i think i figured out Uh, i think i it just so happened i was talking to pe people meeting people so a lot of people had told me how do you price retail like how do you price for production cost for the stock cost for the commission cost and somebody else is selling for you how do you include all of that so something that i i don't know i got lucky and i understood that part of it the other parts of it was what took me ages to learn and so it was just learning 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 i like i'm say, saying like i either at times i was like oh my god i've ruined so much i've like all the fabric is ruined everything is cut badly and all that but i'm so glad i'm past it so you're a legit business woman but you know, i want to come to no no i'm sure a lot of people who've heard this bit of setting up business i'm sure it'll it would be helpful to people starting out and it will resonate to women who've been on a similar journey but one of the things i want to get to is uh and this i think is a very powerful choice as uh women who want to strike out on their own starting businesses there's that pressure sometimes to prove something i love that and i don't know if it was a conscious choice or where you naturally arrived i love that you run your business at the pace that works for you and you've not allowed like oh i need to hit a certain number uh, i need to be this and it doesn't mean you're not ambitious but it's a a choice that i feel is very powerful that you've not you've made it work for you i think so i think all of us make choices that work for us like currently i run a business i am passionate about it i enjoy it i love it and i see look after it from end to end from the first ideation to the first weave to the first product sampling to production to sales to after sales to logistics to accounting so if i'm not passionate about it there there will be somewhere yeah. so i have to stay focused and do it properly and the only way i can stay focused and do it properly when i'm doing everything is to do it at my pace i'm selling to women like me and the clothes i make are appeal to women who are my age my uh, stage in life so i think they understand when i say uh, they understand that you know you uh, everybody has work commitments everybody has travel family needs and they understand that and i understand their needs and they understand that i'm off or i'm not available now or i will but i am transparent and they understand that obviously when i take a break there is all in business when i come back takes a time to set it up so that's a thing that i have chosen to do because it's like i have to work harder to get the wheels rolling all over again so that that there is a there is a trade off i do lose business but it's not but i'm able to pull it back and ring it up together
Yeah, but I also think that's the thing about choices that are powerful, right? You want, there is a trade-off and that's why it's a choice. You're making yes. that choice and you're willing to give up something for that. I, I love that. That's my, one of my favorite things about you that you, you I run. I think that's why I enjoy doing it so much because if I had to, if I didn't have those breaks or those moments to myself, I guess I wouldn't be able to be at it, right? Sincerely. Yeah, no. I want to end, Preeti, by the way, we could go on because you and I always have something that we can keep talking about, but I want to end with looking back. Is there something, and you can decide where you want to look back to, what point, is there something that you would have done dramatically different? Yeah. I mean, you can always be better, right? Always, always, always. And when you look back, you can always see so many things that could have been done better. Like, especially in this journey, I think like um, I was doing a lot of, of, what do you call it? Exhibitions, physical shows. And that was really good for learning because you get right feedback and you know, you can sense what the market wants and what people like, don't like. But I think that was not the right way to do business. And I was told from day one that I should have an online presence. And I was like, oh my God, that's so challenging. I can't do it. Like, you know, you have some prejudices in your head and you're unable to overcome them and learn quickly. And you just keep uh, being stubborn and doing it the yeah. old way. And then, so there are so many ways I should have started a website earlier. I should have been online earlier. I should have done, you know, there's so many small things like that. Uh, but in the end, it's a all of us learn at our own pace. Nobody can hasten the learning process for you. Nobody can tell you to learn. You will learn when you are ready to learn. So I think uh, I might have wanted to do things differently in hindsight, but I don't think it would have happened. It's just wishful thinking. All I can say is, Preeti, I think for me as an observer and from our conversation, whether you look back or forward, where you are is, I think, that young 10-year-old who wanted to be happy. I think you've uh -huh. arrived there. Uh, and uh, more power to you. And, um, you know, I'm glad that happiness yeah. still remains central to who you are. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Owning It. With every conversation with women who are taking control of their narrative, I'm constantly inspired. Don't forget to tune in to the next conversation with yet another woman choosing her own path and owning it.